Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much is December 1st, 1995? And we are coming back at you with some more news, some more televisual programming, and <laughs> some more movies, I guess we can call this a movie. I mean, it, it was, by all definitions, a movie. It was a shitty movie. I wouldn't call it a film. Okay. I don't, I don't think it... it there's, there's, a seri- there's a certain amount of artistry. That I think defines a film okay. as opposed to a movie. This is a popcorn movie. For sure. This is like a, buy pop- some popcorn and eat, eat it and watch this. Like popcorn's the only thing that makes it worth watching. <laughs> well, we found something else that made it worth watching too. But <laughs> before we get into that, let's talk about something worth playing. Sega Saturn. Carol, have you? Do you don't own a Sega Saturn, do you? I don't. It's the second biggest of all Segas. Sega Jupiter is the biggest. What the fuck? It's just a bad joke. Oh. Because Jupiter's the biggest planet. And Saturn is the second biggest planet. I see. Mm -hmm. So. Someone must have loved Saturn a lot. Because they put a ring on it. uh, (laughs) At least that one got a fake laugh out of you. Um. No, uh, Sega Saturn, I don't actually own one, but my friend Bill owns one. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of different video game systems, and I've played Virtua Fighter, which is a Street Fighter-style game. I liked Street Fighter. Street Fighter is a good game. Yeah, Street Fighter 2, technically. Yeah. Because it's the... I, I, I Have you ever played the original Street Fighter? Yeah. Have you? What's it like? Um, it's a Street Fighter game. I mean, it's... But I mean, like, is it like Street Fighter 2? Because Street Fighter 2 is the one that's in the arcades now. It's the one that is all the rage with, you know, Ryu and Ken and, and oh. Blanca and maybe, Chun-Li. Maybe I didn't play the original. I thought I did. M. Bison. Maybe not. You haven't? It says, Hajugan! <laughs> right? Right. No, I've never played the original Street Fighter. Okay. I don't... Someone told me that it was a side-scroller game. Hmm. Sort of like... Do you remember the na- game Ninja Gaiden? I love Ninja Gaiden. That actually stars Ryu. I think it's the, the same Ryu. Oh, really? I believe so, yes. Interesting. But yeah, someone told me that the original Street Fighter is like a side-scrolling game, but I've never played it, so I don't know. Huh. I just know that Street Fighter 2 was the... The one that became huge in the arcades. Well, it's it's very much like Mortal Kombat. Yes. So. But I think Street Fighter Two came first. Okay. Mortal Kombat's the one that they, they're all like the people are all up in arms because of, it's so bloody. It's not that big a deal. It's fake blood. Get over it, people. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I know, but they want to. That's what they want to do. The whole like, we want. Ratings on games and stuff like that's weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are parents out there who don't want their kids to, you know, see blood, whatever. They, but they can see as much. Well, you know what's weird is, like, it seems like sex is, even though we're talking about 
all this violence being being censored and stuff like that, which it is. But it seems like sex is more, much more censored than violence. Yeah, for sure. We're we're a more sexually repressed country, I think, than a lot of others. And a more violent country than some. Yeah. So yeah, we're, Italy, we're all about the violence, but don't you show us boobies? Look at Italy; it's like the exact opposite, right? Yeah, bellissima, carama, buonasera. Sure. Como belle cellune vire strette. Ah, anyway, so speaking of Italians, Mariah Carey, what is she? <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't think she's Italian. I don't know what she is. Is she? Half black? Is she part Hispanic? Is she... I don't know what she is. I don't know. She is ethnically ambiguous. Yeah. Ethni- ethnically ambiguous superstar Mariah Carey. <laughs> she is beautiful. How about that? She is. Has a special called Fantasy on Fox that is coming up. It's it's a uh, like a concert thing. It's Fantasy Mariah Carey live at Madison Square Garden. So they're televising a concert. Essentially, yes. Why would they do that when she could tour? Well, I think she is touring, but this is just this is a way for people to see her concert that might not ordinarily, you know, see it. Well, like, yeah, but like, would you in. still want to buy a ticket after you saw it on TV? Oh, I think so. I think there's something about the live, the live experience, don't you? Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of concerts. You know, you could go to one you haven't seen. Well, I mean, if you if you equate it to a sporting event, there are people that go to those those auditoriums mm-hmm. every week, but it's also on TV. It's like if you could see it on TV, you know, it's a, it's like the argument if well, if you can see sports on TV, why go to the, you know, the venue? Yeah, but it's a different game every time. Yeah, well, she does a slightly different show. Every time. Okay. What if she falls off the stage once, you know? You know. <laughs> sure. That's not making it on TV, and that's going to be in the rough cut. But I mean, yeah, it would it will be fun to to watch it either way. Speaking of fun to watch, uh, <laughs> John Stewart, spelled with just an N, J O N. I don't know how familiar you are you are with John Stewart, but he's hosting the 1995 Billboard Music Awards. Awesome. Tina Turner is going to be uh, there. I want to see the the <clears throat> Billboard Awards. Tina Turner has. Uh, has some significance to our show today. She does? Yeah, I'll tell you later why. Okay. I mentioned it earlier, but you probably don't remember. It's like tugging at the back of my brain that you said something, and now I'm like, crap, what was it? Tug, tug, tug. Yeah. Anyway, John Stewart hosted a, I believe it's canceled now, hosted a show called The John Stewart Show on MTV Music Television. Okay. It was funny. But canceled because no one watched it. Well, it couldn't have been that funny. Last story that I have for us uh, this week. Free agency mentality pervades American television. What do you think about that? I I don't know what that means. It means that, do you know what a free agent is? In regards to sports? Sure, yeah. Yes. Okay. In regards to television, no. So... It says, not to rely too heavily on the wisdom of Alan Thicke. Okay. (laughs) But the man had a point when he said, the road to actor heaven is littered with the bodies and broken bones of people who left series before their time. What a weird... 
He, like, he actually said that? What a weird quote. That is very weird and dark. The road to actor heaven is littered with the bodies and broken bones of people who left series before their time. They don't call him pithy Alan Thick for nothing. Right? What the hell? Uh, hey there, David Caruso. Mm, NYPD Blue, you know? Right. This is because he left. Right. He left NYPD Blue to embark on a film career. And uh, he was in Kiss of Death and Jade. <laughs> I have not seen yeah. either of those movies. Yeah, no one has. Okay. And now his career is in, uh, you know. It says he's going to be f- forgotten faster than Larry Wilcox. Wow, that is harsh. His career is in, well, you know. Like the toilet? Yes. Okay. I was going to say something else, but. It's close enough. Anyway, so what they're basically what they're saying is is people are are like they're they're leaving stuff. You know, Muriel Hemingway, she uh, she left she left Central Park West. Uh, you know, it's pe- what they're saying is is that actors are now having this mentality of be on a show for a little while and then leave. You know, try to get a movie career or try to. Further your career in some way instead of being mainstays on a show, you know. Gone are the days of, I don't know, Carol O'Connor or, or whatever, staying in All in the Family for the entire run, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess it, it's kind of like people who won't be happy unless they're famous. Well, I think that's part of it, but you know what I think the other part of it is? So, like, in the 50s, it was, like, I Love Lucy, the Dick Van Dyke show. I mean, mm-hmm. those people weren't going to leave their shows. Their names were on the show. Right. The show was all about them, right? Then in the 70s, you know, you still had more, like, Barney Miller and stuff like that. You still had more focused stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The 80s kind of started to change it a little bit. And Shelley Long was one of the first ones that left Cheers. Right. Before Cheers finished its run. And then Kirstie Alley became... You know, famous uh, by replacing, essentially replacing her on Cheers, uh, in the eighties and now, 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 <laughs> there are a lot more ensemble shows, right? Like NYPD Blue is an ensemble show for sure. There's that Dennis Franz, Gail O'Grady, all, you know, all the rest of them that are on that show, and David Crusoe's a big part of it. He was basically he was you know the star essentially of the show, but. The show isn't reliant on him. There are lots of moving parts. There are lots of different storylines. Yeah. Same thing was with Cheers. You know, like Shelley Long was one of the main stars of the show, but there were other things going on, mm-hmm. so it could go it could go on without her. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's part of it is that on these kind of ensemble shows, there's less of a I need to stay and complete this kind of vision. It's more right. of like. You know, this is a vehicle for me to get famous, and then I'm going to move on to something else. But, I mean, how many of them actually do move on to something else? I don't it know. seems kind of silly to leave a show unless maybe they already have something lined up. I don't know. You know what the other big one is? Number one show last season, uh, or this season, ER. Okay. ER is another big ensemble show. You've got Anthony Edwards, yeah. or whatever his name is. Not Anthony Edwards. Uh, George Clooney. Yeah, but that's not who I'm talking about. Well, I don't know who else there is. I think his name is Anthony Edwards. He was in Revenge of the Nerds. Okay. Dr. Mark Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's him. There's George Clooney. What's his name? Doug Ross? I think that's his name. I don't sure. know. 
And then there's uh, the black guy, Eric LaSalle, who was in Coming to America. Uh, you know, they're like, I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of these people from different places. Uh, so you've got a, that's another big ensemble show, right? Do you think, like, for instance, one of the, the he's not a star of the show, because I think it, like, uh, Mark Green is probably the mainish character of the show. Okay. But do you think that, like, a George Clooney, because he's, like, the breakout, like, everyone's like, ooh, George Clooney, he's so handsome. Do you think he ha- would have a chance to leave that show and go on and do something else? I don't know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because, again, like you said, he's not, like, the main person. And because everybody's like, oh, he's so handsome, he's going to get more opportunities. But people liked David Caruso, and he, and he failed. Uh, huh. That's what I'm saying. I think if, if like, Clooney did something, I think it's a risk. I can see it. Unless he goes into lounge singing like his aunt. <laughs> this old house wants newest children. Is that what his aunt sounds like? No. Okay. But she did have. She's got a lower voice <laughs> okay. for a female, and she did sing that song. I mean, she's not the first one to sing that song, but she sang a version of that song. Okay. This old house wants new as children. This old house wants new as wife. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on to the televisual experience that we experienced. Yeah, nothing this week was good. I mean, the show was bad, and mm-hmm. the movie was bad, and it just makes me want to cry. The show that we saw is called Strange Luck, and it was our strange luck to decide to watch it. It's, it airs on Fox before, right before The X-Files, and it stars D.B. Sweeney, who looks a little like David Duchovny. Yeah. I think they, I think they basically were just like, hey, we're going to make a show, but like it's... It's got to rely on the charm of a David Duchovny, and someone's like, I know someone that looks like him. <laughs> and that's how D.B. Sweeney got cast, because he does not have the charm of a David Duchovny. But, I mean, I don't think that it's his fault, okay? The acting no. was not the best acting I've ever seen, but the, the problem is not the acting. Yeah. The problem is the writing. Well, I agree. The writing and the direction. The yeah. writing, the direction, the cinematography. All of it's bad. All of it failed. On this show, I think that it would still maybe be possible for the show to be good if a transformative actor, like an incredibly charismatic mm. actor, if you had a an early Tom Selleck, I don't know, or something like that, carried this this thing, it could elevate it. And he's decent, but he doesn't elevate it. So you're talking about somebody who's at the level of I would watch them like just stare at a wall uh, watching paint dry because they're well, so nice the, to look at. That is what the script is. So, well, uh, no, I'm not even talking about just nice to look at. Charisma is more than just that. Yeah, but I mean that's that, a part of it. But it's you can only have so much charisma when you're delivering shitty lines in a shitty story, shot shittily. If David Lee Roth was the star. No, I'm just saying, wow. No, I mean, it's just... Diamond, David Lee Roth. Um, anyway. A ridiculous, ridiculous premise. Well, go, the, go ahead, the, tell them. The premise of the show is that this guy has both the best luck and the worst luck in the world somehow. Like, he has really good luck, but everyone around him has bad luck, I guess. I guess. Because it started when he was two years old and he was on a plane 
and the plane crashed and everyone died, including his mom and his sister, except for him. And apparently, like, I guess bad luck follows him around. It's the, There's something like, he says something like, if I walk into a restaurant, somebody's going to choke, or, you know, if I go to a movie, then the, the screen's going to break or something. You know, I don't <laughs> Which know. Which seems like bad luck for him, too, though. I guess. Maybe that's not one of them, but... <laughs> The screen breaks, but it's a movie he didn't want to see anyway. Okay. His, his girlfriend dragged him to it. <laughs> but that's, so that's basically the premise. And he's looking for his family. He's been an orphan forever. And this is the only episode of this show I've seen. Yeah. So I'm really playing catch up here. But he's looking for his brother in this episode. So it was only his mom and his sister. who died. What about his dad? I don't know. His dad's gone. Because he might not be an orphan. If, you know, his dad's alive. His dad killed himself? I don't know. His dad, it, it, in the flashbacks that he saw, his dad was going on a plane trip, but it wasn't the plane trip he was going on, so maybe his dad died on a separate plane trip, oh, or weird. maybe his dad just disappeared. Maybe that was the last day he saw his dad. His dad, like, walked out on the family. I don't know. And we then, don't know, because we're playing catch-up. Yeah, so no no clue. But he, apparently he has a brother. Yeah, and he goes back to, so, okay, I'm going to try to start at the beginning. This is, I, I've never seen a movie, or I've never seen a television show that had more going on, like just, like a bunch of different plots and everything, but was so boring. Oh my God. From beginning to end. It was the dullest TV show I've ever watched. Yeah, it was really, really, like, mind-numbing. At the beginning, this guy on a motorcycle crashes his bike and right in front of D.B. Sweeney. His name is his name is Chance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he crashes in front of Chance, and he's got this black cube. I don't know what the hell it's supposed to be or represent. And everyone thinks it's special the second they look at it. Yeah, it's so weird. This pawn shop guy's like, I could get a bunch for this. Why? What is it? Right. How do you know you could get anything for it? It's a black box. Right. Carol said maybe it's the black box from his plane. Oh, why'd you have to tell everybody? Because it's embarrassing. What's embarrassing about it? Because I'm stupid because I didn't know black boxes aren't black. Well, I think a lot of people don't know that. Well, apparently they're not. So, uh, I think they're like orange or something like that so that, uh, so that they're easily identifiable, I believe. Or yellow. But I'm not sure. Yeah, yellow or orange, something like that. I'm not sure. Hmm. Essentially a black box. I don't know why they call it a black box, to be honest. I don't know why they say why they call it that, but I know it's the that's the flight recorder. They also have black box warnings on drugs. Do they? Yeah. Like if something if like something's gonna like make you want to kill yourself, they have a black box warning. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, who's enforcing these warnings? <laughs> like uh you just see your local Coke dealer and he's like now here, here's a no. black box warning, you know. <laughs> no, like this acid's gonna make you want to jump out the window. Antidepressants, like your Susan Day. Oh, oh, oh! You mean le- legal drugs? Yeah, antidepressants can sometimes make, especially teenagers, suicidal. Isn't that that's kind of bizarre? That's backward, right? Right, but not everybody. It's <laughs> like it's like it's a small chance, but they have to put this black box box warning on, and it's. Why? Why is it a black box warning? I don't know. 
I mean, they don't even call the warning on a pack of cigarettes a black box warning, right? So My favorite warning on the cigarettes is at the duty-free store in Canada. Uh-huh. Because, you know, in the United States, it'll it's like on the side and everything. It's like a Surgeon General's warning, you know, smoking may lead to increased risk of emphysema and, you know, like all these other things, right? And in Canada, just right on the front, bigger than the label, it says smoking can kill you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I would still buy it. I know you would. You'd probably just display it proudly. <laughs> I would. You'd roll it up in your sleeve, <laughs> wear it as a badge of honor. Black box warnings. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. It's weird. It does remind me of a very bad and old Jackie the Joke Man Martling joke, though. Hmm. Where he says, uh, What's the, or what do a 747 and a bleach blonde have in common? What? They both have a black box. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross. That's the guy that works on Howard Stern's show. Well, that explains it. Yeah. Howard Stern is gross. <laughs> Howard Stern is gross. He is. Anyway, so, yeah, so he gets this box, and like you said, everybody wants it. He doesn't know what it is, and he has such a blasé attitude about both this black box and everything. <laughs> yes. Everything that happens in the show, he's just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, like he's he's one of these guys where it's just like he's just floating along. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't seem, he has a mission to try to find his long lost family, but he doesn't seem like he has any agency in this show at all. It's just a series of things that happen to him. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the black box, like, the first thing he does is he sets it fucking down and turns his back on it. Yeah, this, the, the guy that crashes is like, this is the most important thing in the world. Don't let anyone evil get their hands on it. Uh, I will come back and get it for you. Keep it safe for me. And he's like, yeah, sure. And <laughs> then he puts it on the counter t- and talks to this redheaded uh, waitress. I mean, yeah, he just, he does not give two shits about anything. And somebody steals it. And yep. then the guy that steals it has a heart attack and then disappears. And no one no one explains that ever. Oh, yeah. He just disappears but leaves the black box there. Apparently, if you have ownership of this black box, it comes back to you. Because that happens a couple times, but they never explain it. They never explain why. They never even mention that, that that happens. Oh, yeah. Like the one time it just ended up in his pocket again. Yeah. There's no explanation for why that happens. Yeah, it's really, really weird. So he goes back to, apparently it's supposed to help you with memories, too. I mm-hmm. think that's the reason it's the MacGuffin of the week, is to just help him remember this time capsule that he planted with his brother, you know, years ago. What What also is weird is that, and I guess this is stylistic, I don't think this is budgetary, but sometimes this show is filmed on film. Okay. Like, yeah. a, re- like a regular show, right? And sometimes it's filmed with, like, a a busted-up camcorder from 1988 (laughs) or something like that. Like, it's filmed on videotape, and it's it's handheld. It's kind of shaky. There are sometimes it's, like, really weird Dutch angles and stuff like that. It looks cheap and bad. Yeah, but I don't think it's budgetary. I think that would be weird. Like, if it was going to be for the budget, I think it would be... All the time bad. Yeah, that's what I said. I think it's I think it's stylistic, but I don't know why. I don't know what they're trying to convey. 
doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. And some and it, it, a lot of the time it kind of like looks like they're trying to go from his perspective maybe. I guess, yeah. Uh-huh. But but anytime they try to do that it looks like a bad home movie. It's terrible. It looks like the kind of home movies I used to make with my friends. <laughs> where we just make a, you know, we we'd make a movie, we'd write a movie, make it and film it on a camcorder. Oh, well, that sounds fun. It was fun. I want to do that. But it looked bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But yeah, so then he, I mean, I don't want to go through the no, whole plot of this movie. No, it's not worth it. TV show, it's so bad. Don't see it. No, don't waste your time. Yeah, it's no good. Eventually, he finds his brother, we think. But then it's like, to be continued. And it's like, why, why are you saying to be continued? It's... Obviously, this is just a continuing storyline. Right. This is not an episodic show. Like, an episodic show would be, like, Friends. Mm-hmm. Although Friends does have some serialized aspects to it, too. Yeah. But, like, an episodic show is, you know, something happens. The whole, there's a problem, like, conflict, resolution, that's the script of one one episode. Each episode's own, its own, like, self-contained thing. That's what episodic means. Serialized, like when, you know, Charles Dickens used to serialize his novels and stuff like that, publish them in parts and everything in magazines way back when. But a serialized show isn't one continuous story. Right. Either throughout an entire season or throughout the entire show. Very, very few shows do anything like that. A lot of shows have serialized elements like The X-Files. The X-Files is a self-contained episodic show. But there are elements like the smoking, or the smoking man, and stuff like that mm-hmm. that are serialized. Okay, where they they recur, and there's there's a a bigger a bigger idea of a story in the background. But very few shows actually are just serialized like that. I mean, just to give you guys one more example of the terribleness of this show, please. He he knocks on the door of the house he grew up in. Oh yeah. And just asks if he can come in and look around because he's, you know, trying to find his brother. Like, how is that going to help? Yeah. And the lady lets him in. And then it's like she's <laughs> flirting with him or something. I don't well, know. Yeah, like, at, at first, she's like, so these two old guys come in. Like, these two old guys see him outside the house. And they're like, we're neighborhood watch. Right. What are you doing around here? And he kind of tells him, he's like, oh, you know. It, it, that That's the only part that seems realistic is old people wanting to know everything and then taking a really bizarre personal interest in your story. <laughs> right. <laughs> which they do. And then, there. so she comes up to the door, like you said, after she gets home. And she's like, wait a second. The only reason I even let you get this far is because the you know the watch is out there. And... She's like, how do I know this is your house? This used to be your house. And he kind of looks around. He's like, and he has a flashback of something like playing with his brother or whatever. And he's like, that door wasn't always there. It used to be a wall or something. She's like, all right, that proves it to me. (laughs) Now you can come in. And ever since that, ever since she let him in, she's like talking about how her husband left him, left her and everything. And She's like, hey, here's some hot chocolate. You want some bourbon in that hot chocolate? Right. Or, or rum. Yeah. She says rum, which is a weird thing to put in hot chocolate. Yeah. She's like, you want? You sure you don't want some rum? She's and trying she's to get like, him drunk or something. She's licking her fingers and stuff. <laughs> it really does seem like she just wants to fuck him. It's very weird. And then, oh, that was the other thing, too. He, he fucking, he finds out where 
his she finds a bill of sales for some, somehow to this house, and she's like, "Oh, one of the names on it is like somebody that might be related to you, right?" And so he goes, he goes to leave. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to go see," you know, and uh, she's like, uh, or he goes, "I'll come back and tell you," you know. Oh, it went or whatever. Right. And then she goes, as he gets in his car, she goes, you better. Like in this <laughs> yeah. sinister voice. And then <laughs> and then they're all like all the neighbors, the neighborhood watch guys, they're all standing there. Yeah. Like, like there's some sort of elite government or organization or something like that. Or like fucking like horror movie characters. I mean, it was and really weird. That's never explained or even hinted at what that could possibly be. But you know what? It failed to make me care enough to want to watch and find no, out. No, I don't care at all. So, and, and then uh, some like Japanese uh, gang shows up to try to get the cube, right? And they get disabled by the two old neighborhood watch dudes. <laughs> yeah, that was who pretty tie funny. them up like it's yeah. These two guns. old men. They don't show any of it. They don't show how they manage to take these guys down. They just show them approach, and then the guys are tied up. It's like like you said, like a cartoon. It was. It was like a cartoon. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, don't don't waste your time. It's a very bad show. I can't imagine it's going to last long. No. Definitely. So, speaking of very bad shows, the movie we saw would be a very bad two-part episode of any television <laughs> series ever. Right? Now, I will say, no offense to uh, the Broccoli family, who owns the rights to James Bond, uh, and are the heir to the broccoli fortune. Their family discovered broccoli, the, the vegetable. <laughs> right. They own the rights to broccoli. Um, no offense to them, but I've never been a fan of James Bond. Yeah. And no offense to, I guess, Ian Fleming, who created James Bond. And I, and I guess sold it to the broccolis? I don't know exactly how that worked. But I've never been a big fan of James Bond. I've never been a fan of the Sean Connery <laughs> Bond, James Bond. I mean, that's the one that I saw when I was a kid with my, you know, mom and my aunt and my grandma. They all like James Bond. Like, I think they had crushes on James Bond or something. All right, Money Penny. <laughs> See, I love that. It's like, that is a funny thing about Sean Connery, though, is Sean Connery will be in like, you know, like you're you're an English spy. All right, Scottish accent. <laughs> you're a Russian submarine commander. Scottish accent. Right. Like I'd love to see him be in a movie, and the director's like, "Okay, Sean, this movie takes place in Scotland. Everyone in it is Scottish, except for you. You're a Spaniard." <laughs> He's like, "I'll give it a try." Como esta, señor? <laughs> you know, like I mean, that's ridiculous, right? But uh, I've never been a big fan, even from that point on. Uh, the Roger Moore, you know, era, the Timothy Dalton era. I saw part of one of the Timothy Dalton ones from the 80s, like uh, like 85 or something like that, right? He's fighting the Russians. It's Cold War era James Bond. And I was so bored. I'm like, this, mm-hmm. this, this movie sucks. I don't like James Bond. Everyone said, oh, Pierce Brosnan. It's Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Pierce Brosnan finally gets to play James Bond. He wanted to play James Bond, and then he was in the he was in Remington Steel, and they were like, <laughs> "No, you can't, you can't do it." So he he wasn't able to do it. Now he can do it, and now he's the he's the second best James Bond ever, 
even though he's never done a movie before. That was the run-up to this movie. It's like he's the second best James Bond already. And no. maybe he's even better than Sean Connery. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he is a great James Bond, but James Bond sucks. Yeah. Flat out. Yeah. So if you're a big James Bond fan, maybe you like this movie. So take our review with a grain of salt. Yeah. If you like James Bond, you will probably like this movie. Probably, yeah. But we don't like James Bond. It's so boring. Yeah. And I mean, there's not like being, you know, made in 1995 did not change anything. No. It follows the same formula. The The Bond girl looks like she came out of a magazine from the 70s. Yeah. She's a, some Polish actress. I don't know. I know Femke Jensen, who plays on a top. Yeah. On a top. Okay. You know what she does? <laughs> she gets on a top of you. And crushes guys with her legs. Like a vice. While they're having sex. She's you know that you know that abductor machine in the in the gym where you, you right. know, like you're yes. squeezing your legs together? Yeah, she does that all the time. It's like every time somebody dies in like a fight scene too, she like moans. Like she's having little mini orgasms. It is weird. She's got like this weird murder ball. She's so gross. For anyone's death. At one point, James Bond parks a tank on <laughs> the train and he's like, he's going to derail us. And she's like, oh. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, we're going to die. Yeah, I she got it. this big smile on her face and she said goodbye. Right. I love it. <laughs> so weird. She's a psycho. Ugh. So I don't even know where to start with this. First of all, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Handsome. Not yeah. handsome. Do you he, like him? He's handsome. He he was better looking in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's so generically handsome to me. Like it, he is Pierce Brosnan is what a talented artist would draw a handsome person to be. <laughs> that's what that's what he looks like to I me. I can see that. Yes, because there's nothing. You know, with with a lot of different handsome guys like William Holden or, you know, I, I don't know. Or even like George Clooney, right? Mm-hmm. George Clooney's got that boyish, you know, face and, and everything like that. An interesting chin. Yeah. Or like Brad Pitt, you know, and stuff like that. But Pierce Brosnan is so, he's almost too perfect, like his face. Huh. It's so, like I said, it's just like, I could imagine it being on a doll. Right. You know, that's what he looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, he's, he like, he is nice looking. He's just... Not extraordinary or exciting. Vanilla. Yeah. Like this movie. (laughs) Yes. And like you said, this movie is so... This movie could have been written in 1968. Yeah, it really... like it. I had to question, like, what the time frame was for this, because it did not seem... You asked, if like, is this supposed to be modern times? And it is, because they mention that, you know, they were fighting the Russians, the Cold War is over... The Russians being the villain, I think, is a big mistake here, too. Yeah. It should have been Middle East-type stuff because there's all that, you know, the assassination happened with the, you know, in the Middle East, and, and there's all this, like, you know, Middle East kind of tension stuff all the time. I mean, I know they're working towards peace talks now, but that seems more, you know, more likely than the Russians now. They would have had to change the whole story, though, because the the point of the thing was, and they actually have a department called Space Weapons. Space Weapons! So Department of Space Weapons! So, yeah. It's like a Space Air Force. It's a Space Force. So the Russians are all about space. Yeah. The Russians, 
you know, the the famously just the, they won the space race, right? Well, they did, yeah. Not, well, I mean, we we got to the moon. Oh, I don't even think they ever went to the moon. Okay, but they were trying. They went first. They, I mean, they did. They did. They did get into space first. They they launched a satellite first, and they they launched the person into space first. But we made it to the moon first. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, in in a way, they won the space race, but like we won the ultimate prize. But you don't hear about people in the Middle East trying to get to space. That's not like on their agenda. Yeah, I guess that's true. Plus, they wanted to make, because this opens nine years ago, uh-huh. so it would have still been during the Cold War, like right. the tail end of it, but it would have been during the Cold War, and Sean Bean is the guy's name. He plays Alec. 006. 006. I didn't realize there was a bunch of these 00 people. If you thought 006 was good, try 007. <laughs> uh, so, he gets killed, quote unquote. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, and then shot by some Russian guy with uh, a nose built for cocaine. Yeah. This this guy's. I mean, this is like, uh, it's like a shoe on his head. It looks like it's made of Mm Play-Doh, but like the whole container of (laughs) Play-Doh. It does. Uh, Not good. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, But so he kills him, and then it turns out that he's not dead. And then, oh, by the way, you know. Right. <laughs> Spoilers, guys. Well, and I mean, okay, so it's about Goldeneye. Goldeneye mm-hmm. is... Oh, oh, oh. What? You made me think of it. What? Before we go any farther, the theme song. Oh, God, it was terrible. It's one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Not even one of the worst James Bond songs. It's one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Sang by Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's that's where it came from. And it's so bad. Now, Tina Turner didn't write the song. Can't remember the name of the dude that wrote the song. But it is. It's, ter- it's like, you know, something like, uh, I, spy- I remember spying on you when I was a little kid with my golden eye. It's like talking. I saw you doing something with somebody else, golden eye. It's terrible. It's like kind of talking about having a crush on him, but like being a creepy stalker too. Yeah, and then like step on the bricks, and I don't, I don't know. know. It's it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's terrible. It's worse than that Alice Cooper song about Jason Voorhees. I don't know how they got the man behind the mask. I don't know how they got Tina Turner to do it. I don't either. It's terrible. She sounds fine. Yeah. But the song is the song is ridiculous. Yes. So anyway, you were gonna say Goldeneye is a satellite weapon that will knock out the electricity somewhere. Yeah. It's called an electromagnetic pulse. EMP. Yep. So that's the whole thing is they're trying to, you know, uh knock out London, I guess was their Grandmaster plan, which we don't find out until the end. Yeah, well, they do it to this Russian satellite post or whatever. And I don't, because, so, like, it's supposed to knock out the electricity, but then also it causes explosions for some reason. Well, I think there are things that maybe explode if they get an electromagnetic pulse. I guess, I don't know. They, They correctly point out... 
that they discovered this during the bombing of Hiroshima. Okay. Which is true. Uh, when you detonate a nuclear bomb in the atmosphere, uh, the immense energy sends out an electromagnetic pulse. And it's... So any, like, you know, if if, uh, if a nuclear bomb was coming, the lights would go out first. Interesting. Basically. But that's, uh, you know, that's one of those like weird side effects they found there's so much like i said so much energy it's it you know releases this pulse which is they call the electromagnetic pulse which short circuits anything with a and ever since then they've been trying to harness that power without the nuclear mm-hmm. you know thing i guess just to you know be able to shut down electronic stuff right as like a you know like he said bringing uh England back to the Stone Age. It turns out that Alec is the son of a uh, Leibniz Cossack who sided with the Nazis during World War II. So he's a literal Nazi son, son, I guess. Uh, And then the British were like, hey, you know, we're going to, like, help you and stuff like that. But then they, because they surrendered to the British. But then the Britons were like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Uh, Holocaust happened and stuff, and now we know it. So you go back to Russia. And so they went back to Russia, and uh, Stalin was like, well, just kill all of them, the women, the children, all of them. Yeah. And some of them lived, and I guess Alec's dad lived or whatever, and Alec lived. I don't know if he's supposed to be old enough to have been. I don't know. But anyway, uh, but then his dad killed himself, and so he's like, I want revenge. And revenge on England! So Alec, who was 006 and working for the British government until he got killed, actually was working for the bad guys. That's right. The and, whole time. And we also have in the beginning the place that gets bombed or wiped out or whatever. Since he was a double agent, do you think he should be 0012? Right. <laughs> um, but the place that they go and kill everybody at, we have the Bond girl who gets away mm-hmm. and another guy who's like pretending to be good that's bad. And he, he was in, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go. No, you, I want you to say it. He played Sean Walsh in Circle of Friends. So he was the uh-huh. greasy, slimy villain in that movie, and mm-hmm. he's the greasy, slimy villain in this movie. A computer nerd villain. Yeah. Where he's like, I've got funny things to say <laughs> about computer passwords. But they're not. He's like, she's like, what's the password? He's like, I'll give you a hint. They're in front of you. And they open large doors. Yeah, in front of you, because there was a picture of boobs on the screen. Yeah, I guess. Although, in front of her as well. Oh. Kind of, because she also has knockers. That makes more sense. (laughs) And then, he's like, you can sit on it, but you can't take it with you. Which seems very obvious. Well, First thing I thought was chair. But, I mean, can't you take a chair with you? You can. I mean... Well, yeah. I mean, technically, you could take a chair with you. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, he was there. He sucked. The ground. <laughs> that should be the answer. Right. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, he's terrible. I, the guy's name is Alan Cumming. It's an unfortunate name. Oh, <laughs> well, fortunate, depending on how you look at it. I guess. Uh, you know, when he's not quite ready, his name is Alec just breathing hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, 
Like, and then Bond shoots a lot, and then they chase. And There's so much of it. They run around, and then they, they punch they punch a bunch, <laughs> and then they're mates. No, they punch a bunch, and then he throws them uh, away, and then the thing crashes on him, and he's dead. Yeah, it's just a whole lot of fighting and a lot of, like, chase scenes. and. I didn't care about anything. No. I didn't care about this Bond girl. The, the Bond girl's not even that nice. I mean, she's fine, but she's not, like, incredibly... Like, she's not Ursula Undress, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's not, like, incredibly alluring or anything like that. Well, and she seems kind of insecure. I mean, she, mm-hmm. like, she asked if he meant it when he said that uh, he didn't care about her because at some point, you know, somebody's holding a gun to her head and right. he had to act like he didn't. And he's like, no. Well, I mean, first he said, yeah, he was telling the truth. And then, you know, they laughed. And he's like, no, no, I, I didn't mean it. But uh, why would he care? Why would he care? Like, he wants to sleep with you. He slept with you. He's done now. Like right. He slept with somebody sent to evaluate him. Yeah. And Judy Dench is M now. Who's uh, M what? M's the leader. The boss. Oh, I thought that was Q. The one, No, Q's the one that gives all the weapons. Oh, okay. Q's that old dude. Okay. Who's like, here, Bond, here's a pen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a regular pen. No. But it will also blow things up. Right. Yeah, it's... It was so boring. It's it's just so paint by numbers. It's so yeah. exactly like all these movies always are. Yes. There's nothing fresh or interesting about it in any way. So, yeah, I mean, if you enjoy the formula and you don't care that you've seen it a hundred times before, then go see it again with Pierce Brosnan. It gave us... An opportunity to make out in the movie theater. So. Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, too much, uh, too much car racing, too much shooting. Kiss. At one point, we kissed for a while, and then we looked up and we we said, hadn't missed anything. Yeah, we didn't miss a thing. He was just getting to the end of running. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't watch Pierce Brosnan run that long. Oh my god, who do you think he is, Tom Cruise? <sighs> um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I here's the thing, like we said, if you're a big James Bond fan, you'll probably like it. If you're not, or you want to give this a chance or whatever, it's there. Are, there are many better films. Bring a makeout buddy and buy popcorn. Yeah, exactly. Have things to do with your mouth. <laughs> that is my advice. Yep. Well, that is the episode for this first day of December, 1995. Carol, why don't you tell the people everything they need to know in the world? So you can check out our website at RetroLateFee.com. You can write us at LateFee1994AOL.com. Always welcome. Please tell your friends to check out the show. Mm -hmm. You could put up, you know, a big sign telling everybody what you think about our show. Yeah, you could do that too. You could decorate our locker with stars. Yep. Any of that stuff. All right. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.